0: Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like,
1: and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nevada Real Estate Radio. Peter Padilla here, enjoying conversation with my in-studio guests and experts in the area of real estate Home buyers, real estate foreign investors. Heck, we even have great information for people that already own a home, maybe have a mortgage, and they can convert that perhaps by refinancing into a lower rate, a lower interest rate. That means a lower monthly payment. In the long run, it means you pay less for the home you purchased with financing. With us today to talk about those elements of the real estate world and more, Brian Cushing. Brian is the Senior Loan Officer at Guild Mortgage. Welcome to our, back to our show, Brian. Yeah, thanks. Always love coming out. Hey, so August was a hot, hot month temperature-wise. We're now in the early parts of September. Give us a recap of what was going on last month in the real estate and mortgage world from your perspective.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest thing in real estate mortgage world was interest rates hit a low that we haven't seen since 2016. Wow. So it's... Uh, right in the middle of one of the hottest months for real estate as well, because uh, you know, typically those are the, the sales that are finishing up from the spring selling season. Uh, you're getting those sales closed through August and then you're gonna start school usually. You know Traditionally, a lot of folks see a slowdown in total units sold mm-hmm. in the fall months, uh, quote unquote, cooling down. But no, it's, uh, it was a great month. Uh, I think with uh, as interest rates as low as they are, I'm surprised that homes aren't selling a little faster to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, well, it could be with the, you know, limited availability. And let's face it, the median home prices have gone up dramatically in the last few years. And, you know, when you're talking about a median home price of $400,000 or more, you're talking about real money nowadays. I mean, I remember 2012, $150,000 was the number. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's almost three times the amount. But the demand, people still want to buy homes, Brian. Absolutely. With these low interest rates that you hit in August, what was the refinancing world? Were people actually going in there and looking to lower their payments?
0: Well, I mean, it's not been a refinance world up until this summer, uh, that's for sure. Uh, most folks were uh, you know, very happy with uh, interest rates that they already had, and rates were on the rise. But uh, we did see this uh, spring, uh, actually right at the end of July, coming into August, uh, the Federal Reserve cut their interest rate. Mm-hmm. And that created a great buzz, uh, and that's, that's really what brought down rates to get this uh, – This whole thing started. So, I think a lot of folks that maybe even bought a house last year were primed and ready to refinance if they had the right equity position. Uh, But even over the last three years, I mean, it's really, there's been a lot of pent up demand, I think. And this was a chance for a lot of people to take applications. And the Mortgage Bankers Association is seeing record applications from that side.
1: You know, the people that bought homes three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I mean, they have got to be really happy if they're still in that home, Brian, because we've seen. Values go up. We've seen interest rates go down uh, It's very likely that people who bought their homes three four five years ago have a better standard of living because of this now in 2019 Well, yeah, I mean I think if they bought in 2016 their
0: standard of living has been I mean 30 year fixed mortgage They've been pretty sta- pretty pretty well off But their house value has just yeah. really climbed in that three-year time period. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I want to say the average I mean, conservatively, you know, futuristically, I like to say 5% per year is a safe number. Mm-hmm. But over the last three years, I think it's more than 15%. Probably 20% plus equity could have been built if, you know, depending on when you purchased and, and the area. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that could take somebody that was a first-time homebuyer in 2016 with a minimum down payment, now giving them enough equity to potentially refinance at the same rate they were a first-time homebuyer, they had mortgage insurance, and that's where a lot of folks are getting rid of that extra cost. And oh, that's yeah. like, that improves their standard of living
1: for oh, sure. Absolutely. It saves you uh, $80, $100, even more. That mortgage insurance can take a pretty good bite out of that uh, paycheck in addition to the mortgage payment. So if you can eliminate mortgage insurance, I mean, why not? Why make that payment when you don't need to? the uh, The other thing is that, you know, in the last month or so, Brian, I hear some factions on the media talking about a possible recession, and other people talking about how great it is. Has there been any apprehension that you've detected in the home buying markets? People thinking you know i'm not sure it's that right time because of the market, or do people pretty well see this this is still the opportunity to go um,
0: I think that the the media coverage can hold people back from being able to, to make that jump. So mm. to give you an example, a year ago, what we were up against was rising interest rates. The whole year of 2018, the Federal Reserve raised the rates four times throughout the year. Right. So if you had a interest rate under 4% and you're seeing rates broaching, I mean, they got close to 5% uh, and over that, you weren't going to sell your house and trade up to a 1% higher interest rate or more. Uh, now, we're not seeing that, but what we're not not the immediate effect has not been folks that are in that good mortgage rate situation. Maybe they've gained a lot of equity, like we were talking about over since 2016. They haven't traded up to the next house. Mm. I mean, you know, you bought, you typically five to seven years is your time period in a house. But uh, if you were, you know, maybe you bought a house that you just wanted to get into whatever you could afford in 2016. Now you've got this equity. I'm surprised we're not seeing more people move up. And that's that's the one part of it with lower interest rates. I'm not sure if uh, the combination of you know lower interest rates. You know, you don't. Want, everybody wants to be the master timing. Yeah. Uh, can I can I sell at the bottom of the, and get the best possible interest rate on my next house? But I want to get the top possible price for my house at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's always the goal. So I think to answer the question, I think the recession talk is definitely giving people additional pause. Whereas last year it was more you know well I don't want a higher interest rate. Now, that's not really uh, a reason. Uh, it could just be you, you want to maintain everything the way it is because you're comfortable.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I keep a tab on the rental market in Northern Nevada, and the rents continue to come up and go up. So I encourage people if you're thinking about living in Northern Nevada, if you want to stay here, if this is a place you want to call home, you may be renting right now, but you may not be able to qualify for whatever reasons for a mortgage. You really have to get things in line. I was talking to with a friend yesterday, Brian. And I believe you need about a six-month lead time. If You say, I'm going to buy a house, and now it's got, you've got to put pieces together, right? You've got to check your credit. you got to you know, start talking to people. It takes a while to get going. Well, you've got to source a down payment. That's,
0: that's an important thing, too. I don't think a lot of people have the liquid savings it takes to, to really put yourself in the right position mm-hmm. as a home buyer. Mm-hmm. And I agree, six months planning is, is great. I mean, if you have a retirement account, that's a great start. Mm-hmm. Some folks will leverage their retirement account, but that's not always the best move. Right. Uh, maybe just setting a few hundred dollars aside a month into a savings account gives mm-hmm. you that little extra. So when you do decide to buy the house and the timing's right for you, you've got the money and you've thought ahead about it and you're not making the impulse buy at an open
1: house weekend. Right, and you can start doing the research, talking to qualified lenders like Brian Cushing from Guild Mortgage. Brian, there are still some opportunities for some assistance with down payment, is
0: there not? Yeah, there's there's been down payment assistance options in northern Nevada for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been in the mortgage business since 2003, and by 2006, the height of the real estate market, the Nevada Housing Division had home down payment assistance available. Throughout the downturn, uh, there was a government program. The federal government offered some uh, incentives in 2007, but the state of Nevada also offered incentives in 2007 Mm. and 2008. Mm -hmm. Right through the downturn, right through 2018 and right in 2019, uh, they make tweaks to the programs, but there's there's
1: funding available if you need help. You know, one of the things that people think about when they're looking to buy a home that they aren't sure they want to take on is the maintenance of a home. Low mowing the lawn, you know, taking care of the house. Now it's all your responsibility. It's great to be a homeowner, but you do have to do maintenance on your home. I don't care where you're moving; you're going to have to do it yourself, or other people are going to have to be hired to do that. One of the ways that people are able to get around that, Brian, is by buying a condominium, right, with a HOA, with a maintenance group. But in the past, I had heard that the FHA would really—they're really tough to isolate qualifying condominiums. Have you heard about any changes or any possibilities to improve that, make that a little easier?
0: Yeah, there's been, uh, I mean, there's been the need for this for a long time, but uh, we're finally at a spot where there's been an announcement: the Federal Housing Administration is uh, reopening a lot of the uh, the availability to condominiums. Uh-huh. Uh, many of these associations had been blacklisted, so to speak, uh, mainly because a lot of investors would pick up the properties. There would be a large percentage of non-owner occupants, you know, rental Renters, properties. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was really the restriction, and it held a lot of condominiums back from you know, the most basic type of first-time homebuyer program. The FHA has got a great opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's it's been discriminating.
1: Discriminating. It really has. It's been to the advantage of investors because as the FHA had limited people being able to buy condominiums with FHA financing because of the owner-aught rules or whatever the rules, they're really saying to the primary residence homebuyers, I'm sorry we can't help you, but investors, come on through. And it, it's it's time for that to turn around. I'm really glad that it's happening because I've lived in a condominium myself before. I've, I lived in a condominium for 15 years before I moved into my home. And it was a great way to get started. It was a great way to live because you don't have to do all that manual work if you don't want to. And you still get to own your own piece of real estate. A condominium could be a great way.
0: That was my first house. Really? You yeah. Too? yeah. Uh, the best part about it is I didn't have to cut the grass.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you... When you're, uh, I think when you're younger, uh, looking for more social activity, the condominiums offer that. They, a lot of them have clubhouses, they have recreational opportunities, um, amenities, and look, you've got neighbors that you know that have the same interests that you do. It's a great way to get started in the con in the homeowner world, the condominium world. But when it comes down to it, it's all about how you feel when you're a homeowner and the, the advantages that you have. You have pride of ownership. You start to have a chance of getting equity in your property. And like you've talked about before, Brian, people tend to move every three to five years or so. And so when you're moving, if you own real estate, it gives you an opportunity to continue owning real estate because you can use that as you, that equity that you have in your property, hopefully as a way to launch into the next, next residence. Yeah.
0: Well, right now, if you stay there two years as your primary home, uh, currently you get to take that as a, Non-taxable profit mm-hmm. as long you know moving into the next property. So uh, that's the tax deferment. I mean, we talk about four hundred and one k's, people saving for retirement. Uh, but if you can have tax deferred equity that you can move between properties or build equity in multiple properties, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it creates wealth. It's uh, it's really a savings account built in because uh, every one of your mortgage payments includes a principal payment. So you yep. owe less every month.
1: Yeah, a good way to get started on building your equity, building your wealth, helping your family to be a homeowner. I mean, ask anybody that owns a home right now. And in, all, in most cases, they're going to tell you that they're happy that they own a home uh, because there is an element there of a foundation, something that you can really know that is going to be there tomorrow and the next day because, let's face it, everybody needs a home to live in. Why not live in your own home? Brian Cushing from Guild Mortgage. Brian, you're one of the top lending officers in the northern Nevada area, and you've got a great team any final thoughts for our listeners if they'd like to talk to you about getting a mortgage?
0: Yeah, well, I'd love to talk to anybody. I, I, I prefer meeting in person and explaining the process. Uh, I love what you said about meeting uh, and planning ahead. Uh, so, yeah, make this a premeditated home purchase. Yes. And give us a call, 775-453-0345 at the office. Look forward to seeing you.
1: Brian Cushing, we're going to put all of your information on our website, Nevada Real Estate Radio. Make it easy for people to find you. Hopefully you'll come back and visit us sometime down the road.
0: Well, I'm going to have to. You gave me some honey today, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I look
1: forward to coming and seeing you again. You know it. The bees are doing well. We'll be back after this message.
0: Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services which lay a solid foundation under the business owner's dream. Sign up for their free monthly newsletter at sageintl.com. That's sageintl.com.
1: You're listening to Pet Talk Radio. Bear, party animal, line one. My owner's mad because he spilled guacamole. He's going to be madder when he finds out it was me. CJ's recommended carpet care. He does a great job. He's on time. He's quick. And he stands behind his work. Call 829-1551. This is Bear with CJ's recommended carpet care. the most productive hour of your week. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. And we're back on Nevada Real Estate Radio. Good day to tune into our show today. We are talking about real estate and real estate for investors. Great conversation we just had with Brian Cushing, senior loan officer at Guild Mortgage. You know, most people don't pay cash when they purchase a home because the interest rates are so low and the price, well, the price is so high for an everyday purchase, that financing is always the best way to go. always recommend you talk to my good friend, Brian Cushing from Guild Mortgage. All of his con- contact information is on our website, com. Speaking of real estate and Nevada real estate, let's talk about the most recent stats from the Reno Sparks Association of Realtors. So the last True, true numbers that have been gathered and compiled are for the July 2019 report. It showed that in Reno Sparks, there were a total of 590 sales of existing single-family homes. Now, that's a bit of an increase from the year before, 4% more homes, and a 4% increase from the month prior in June. The report also listed that the median sales price for an existing single-family residence in Reno Sparks in July of this year. $405,000. Wow. That's a 5% increase from the year prior, a 1% increase from the month prior. All sales are for existing stick-built, single-family residents only. They do not include condominiums, townhomes, manufactured homes, modular or new construction homes. The median sales price of existing condominiums, though, and townhomes in Reno Sparks for the same time period is two hundred twenty-three thousand five hundred dollars. Now that is a fifteen percent increase from the year prior. You know, back in twenty eighteen, uh, maybe some people were just thinking, "Hey, we're no way we're going to buy a condo. We're we're going to be able to get into a home soon as the prices come down a little bit." Well, they didn't. Prices did not go down. They're continuing to move up, and more and more people are considering condominium living, or at least using the condominium opportunities. To purchase their first homes. I think it's a great idea, but it's got to be right for you. And the only way you know is to talk to a real estate professional and a mortgage professional and ask yourself, how long am I going to live in that first home, especially if it's a condominium? And what am I going to do afterwards after I decide I want a bigger home? Well, maybe you want to sell it. If you've got some equity that you've earned, you can use that towards your down payment. Or maybe you might want to keep that home, that condominium, rent it out on a monthly basis, and then use that as investment property. That's what I would recommend. If there's any way possible, you're leaving a condominium because you're selling it, think about that again. Instead of selling it, think about renting it out and then buying a home, buying your own second home, right? Then you can move up to something that you're more comfortable with and you have investment property. Let's look at the numbers in SPARKS as opposed to just Reno and Sparks together, right? When you break it down and you just look at the Sparks area, it's a little bit more affordable. In Sparks, 167 sales of existing single family homes occurred in July of 2019. That's a, tw- a 19 uh, excuse me, that is a 9% decrease from July of 2018, but it is a 7% increase from the month before. The median sales price for existing single family residents in July 2019 in Sparks, Nevada, not $405,000 like Reno-Sparks combined. No, no. It's only $380,000. Only? Yeah. We talk about only because it's less than the 405000 median sales price when you combine Reno and Sparks. But just take Sparks alone, $380,000. That's a 5% increase from the year prior, a 2% increase from the month prior. Now, if you look at Reno, just Reno versus Sparks, not combining the two, Reno, median home price, $420,000. Median home price, Sparks, $380,000. $380, you take the combination of the two, combining Reno and Sparks, it's $405,000. So it's a little bit less if you go with a combo, but let's face it, you have to decide do you want to live in Reno? Or do you want to live in Sparks? So there's your numbers. All the numbers are for existing single-family stick-built dwellings, and they do not include condos or townhomes. When we talk about stick-built dwellings, yes, it can actually include a brick home, right? It has bricks. It has sticks. It has beams. What they're talking about is it does not include manufactured homes. This is just for regular stick-built homes. Let's look at our neighbor to the east, Fernley, Nevada, for July. The report states 53 sales of existing single-family homes took place there. That's a 2% decrease from the year prior, but it is a 15% increase from the month prior. So things are going in the right direction. The median sales price in Fernley is $265,100. That's a 5% increase from the year before, but it's a, just a touch of a decrease from the month before. So again, you can see the big difference. In Reno, $420,000 median home price. In Fernley, 265. dollars $1000. That's about a $155,000 difference, a big difference for having to drive no more than 30 to 45 minutes. Keep that in mind if you're a first-time home buyer, Fernley might be the best place for you to get started. So, here's the summary is that you have got to really have somebody that knows their craft if you're looking to buy a home. And when I mean somebody that knows their craft, I'm talking about your realtor. The realtor is the key negotiator in helping you get the home that you're looking for. Now, you might think you're a great negotiator because you are good in your line of business. Maybe you're into the automobile sales. Maybe you like to do yard sales. Maybe you just like to dicker on everything that you buy and you feel like you're a pretty good negotiator. Real estate, you need to be a good negotiator. Absolutely. But you need to have a lot of specialized knowledge that only a real estate professional has. You don't have it if you're not a real estate professional. Trust me. You think you know all about houses? You think about you might know all the way deals are structured and transacted? Well, You might up to a certain point. But after that, things are changing all the time. And here's the thing that realtors don't talk about that I know they talk about when they're together. Realtors have their own network of who they know, of who they like, of who is making deals happen, who has properties that are coming up for sale down the road, maybe in a month, maybe in two months, maybe in three months. So you want to have an agent, a real estate agent that's part of those conversations, those backroom conversations, right? I'm not talking about anything – illegal or underhanded. I'm just talking about people that know their craft, people that know other people that know their craft. And when they start sharing information for the benefits of their clients, you really do get a benefit because that person is working for you, I would imagine, 24-7. That's what realtors do. They think about their clients. They think about the properties. They're always searching for deals. They're looking for that right combination To make the client happy to give the client what they want but there's no perfection in life you have to be able to understand that some things are really important in buying a a real estate transaction and some things are not some things can be tweaked some things can be changed some things can be tolerated you're not going to get the perfect scenario but your real estate agent is going to help you get as close as possible And let me tell you something about the real estate world. They are the hardest-working people that I know. They make it look real easy. That's what their job is. But it is tough because there are so many components to putting a real estate transaction together let's skim them quick quickly if you're uh, if you're somewhat of a novice into the real estate world because the first thing that you need to do if you're looking to buy real estate is make sure that your financing is in order now. If you've got cash to buy and you know that you've got enough cash to pay it all off in cash, then you're pretty well okay. You just have to move on to the the property itself, right? But let's back up just again to the financing part. Most people are not going to have, cash to purchase a home and then have zero mortgage, zero debt. Most people are going to get a mortgage of one type or another. When you're talking about a median home price of $400,000 or more, that's substantial cash. It just really doesn't make sense to spend that kind of cash on a $400,000 transaction when you could get a mortgage somewhere in the neighborhood of 4% for 30 years and only make those monthly payments, right? Or you could get a 15-year loan and make a little less payment. But your money can work in other areas and earn more and provide more benefit in most cases than using it to buy a home for cash. So what do you need to do to buy that home for with a mortgage? Well, you've got to first talk to a mortgage lender. We had Brian Cushing on earlier on the show. And if you recall, the first thing he says is you've got to get pre-approved. You have to make an appointment with the lender so that the lender... Can ask you a few questions that are particularly important when it comes to time to buy a home. Also, that mortgage lender is going to order a credit report for you. Now, if you walk in to see that mortgage lender and you say, "Here is my free credit report from Experian," I don't need you to run a credit report. I already have one. Please understand, it doesn't work that way. No two mortgage uh, companies are the same, and quite frankly, no two credit reports are going to be quite the same because a mortgage credit report is the most stringent of all the credit reports I can think of anybody getting in America. If you go get credit to buy some furniture or some rent-to-own furniture, the guidelines and the um, the threshold points are much lower than they are if you're going to buy a $50,000 automobile. There's going to be a lot more research, a lot more checking on your background, and The valuations that they put to different elements on your credit report, they're going to give you a different score. When it comes time to get a mortgage, mortgage loan, those credit reports are looking for all kinds of stuff. And they value different weighting on different elements than they do if you're buying other things like a car or furniture. When you get a mortgage credit report, that is the credit report that, if all proves well, will help you get a mortgage to purchase your home. And that's the reason the mortgage lender asks a lot of questions. I encourage you to set up an appointment with your mortgage lender or with the mortgage lender we recommend, Brian Cushing, to find out where your credit score is and where you sit in the possibility of getting a mortgage to purchase a home. We're going to talk about some more aspects of the real estate world, purchasing and selling homes after this quick message.
0: Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You will never go wrong when you get your
1: advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. And we're back. You're listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio right here on 1180 AM Radio, one of the Lotus broadcast stations in Northern Nevada and part of America Matters Media. Love the folks. At AMM, we're here today talking with industry experts and giving you the knowledge that we have to share about buying, selling, owning real estate. One of the neat things about owning real estate in northern Nevada is that you not only get to enjoy the real estate, you get to enjoy where you are, northern Nevada. I mean, you don't even have to go anyplace. Just look out of your backyard and you're going to see some of the most beautiful skies, some of the most unusual cloud formations anywhere in the world, they happen right here, just above Reno and Sparks, Nevada. It is an absolutely beautiful thing to see when you catch those glorious clouds in the afternoon, early evening. You see the sun changed the colors of the clouds and the atmosphere, and it's a gorgeous sight with all the cool things that are there are around northern Nevada. One of the cool things that's in northern Nevada, of course, is the Nevada Museum of Art. Have you seen that building? It kind of looks like a submarine to me with right angles. Very unusual, but you'll find that the Nevada Museum, which, by the way, is located right in downtown Reno, 160 West Liberty, has some of the fat, most fascinating displays you'll ever see, along with a fantastic venue. I mean, they've got an incredible restaurant, they've got easy parking, and it's just walking distance from so many other locales and opportunities to see the most interesting part of Reno, the Nevada Museum of Art. Now, until October 20th, they are featuring the display of Georgia O'Keeffe, Now, if you don't know much about this artist, uh, you're going to know a lot after you go there because they've got some incredible displays. It's the only West Coast venue to offer a new look at this iconic artist through her art, fashion, and personal style, Georgia O'Keeffe. Living modern, it's all happening at the Nevada Museum of Art now until October 20th. We're talking about real estate and real estate for investors, remember? Sometimes we get kind of carried away on one side or the other. We're talking about helping home buyers, helping people refinance, you know, helping people determine if they want to sell their home and then buy another home or maybe turn their home into an investment home and then buy another home. What about the people that are already investors? You know, I've done a little bit of real estate investing myself over the past years, but I've never done it on a full-time basis and on a full-time scale. And I remember thinking back to 2012 when the market was – it's all-time low for the 2000s basically. Uh, median home price in Reno, not 400000 It was actually $150,000. And if you're like me, you're still kicking yourself for not taking better action for doing more to get real estate in your world – back in 2012 when the median home price was $150,000. But the market was dominated by fear at the time. The number one question I had from all of the friends, family members, associates, clients, it was this, have we hit the bottom yet? Have the prices fallen to the very bottom? Are are, are we sure that this is really the best that we can get? I mean, there were people hanging on and hanging on for infinity I don't know what they expected the prices to be. Zero. I mean, it seemed like that's what they were expecting. And everybody said they didn't have any money to buy anything yet. You know, it's sure funny how when the prices start to turn and we get to one seventy five, two hundred, over three hundred thousand dollars for a median home price, suddenly everybody has access to some cash or financing someplace because they see what's happening. But it's way too late. If you were looking to get in on those deals I'm talking about of 150,000 dollars for a median home price as opposed to what's going on today, over 400,000. So what's the answer? Well, it's to not buy investment property or maybe look at different types of investment properties, or maybe buying notes or deeds or, or investing outside of your local area, maybe even outside of your state. I have a good friend and an acquaintance. And my brother does this too. They invest in real estate in other states in the country, states that they've never even visited in. And how do they do that? Well, they spend a lot of time online or their associate, uh, their uh, let's say their assistants spend a lot of time online looking for that property. And they check out the areas that have value, areas that have some dynamic growth going on, maybe an area that's on the upswing, uh, maybe an area that's underpriced, you know, like buying anything. If you can find value and typically the value comes when something is priced below what you think it should sell for, that's when it can tell you it's a pretty good buying opportunity. So I've I've talked last week about uh, one of my friends who left Reno and decided to take up a new life and a new wife in Arkansas. And when he moved to Arkansas, I I, I really hoped and prayed that he would make it there and that he wouldn't be coming back to Reno because he couldn't find any suitable work or whatever, right? In Arkansas, you never know when you move to a new state, and this was all new for him. His new bride had friends in Arkansas. I mean, that was as close as they had to having connections there. What my good friend did not know was that when he was moving to Arkansas from Reno, Nevada, he was moving from one of the most expensive states To purchase a home in, and one of the most expensive parts of the state to purchase a home in, he was moving to a state that was one of the lowest priced states when it comes to purchasing a home. So, again, here, median home price $400,000. He was able to buy a comparable home, a median home price, comparable home here in Arkansas. He paid $67,000 for that house. Yeah. $67,000, $67,000, two-car garage. It did not have a three-car, two-car garage, but a nice home, a nice starter home. And when you think about $67,000. My gosh, I know people that pay more than that for a pickup truck. Yeah, I know that because I've looked at a lot of credit reports, and the number one issue with credit reports that many wannabe homeowners have is that their car payments are way out of line for what they want to spend on a mortgage. In essence, many people are car rich, house poor. Yeah, spend so much money on a car. But this was not my buddy. He had a just a regular sedan. But when he got there, he was so surprised that one, he found a great job. Two, his fiance found a great job. Three, they found a house for $67,000 that they absolutely love. I've seen the pictures. I'm very happy for them. Hey, I miss them. I wish they lived here in Reno and I could visit with them more often, see them in person. But the fact is, if you're a young person like I used to be, you have to move where the action is. You have to move where the opportunity is. And I've lived in some parts of the country that you would you would say the same thing. Why in the world would you ever move there? Well, the reason I moved there is it was a great business opportunity. It was a great way to advance my career, grow my family, and grow my future. So it's not always in your back door where you're going to find the best investment situation. I mean, you might live in Reno and you don't want to move to Arkansas. But get this, I know a guy in Arkansas. And you might know a guy in Arkansas too. You might know the same guy. If you could find a deal in Arkansas, it would make a great investment property. And like my brother does and my other friend who invests around the country, they use the internet to Google and MapQuest and they see these properties all over from every angle through the digital world. And one of, my, one of these guys has a property manager in Denver that he uses to manage his properties, and he communicates with his property manager on a regular basis, and he gets his reports from his property manager on a regular basis. basis. And of course, he sends his monthly property management check to the property management company on a regular basis, and they have a really good relationship because his property is really appreciating in value too. I mean, it's happening all across the country. The question is, at what Point, can you get started? What is your threshold? What is the max that you can afford to buy that first home? If it's $67,000, I don't think you're going to find a typical three bedroom, two bath, two car garage in Northern Nevada for that price. However, I know a guy in Arkansas. That's what I'm talking about. Think about investing opportunities in other parts of the country. Talk to some friends or some family members. Ask them what they've done, if they have any investment property in other parts of the country. Uh, you can essentially uh, you know soften your uh, highs and your lows when you have investments in other parts of the country so it 's something I recommend that you do if you want to get more information. I recommend that you talk to Sherry Hill from Sage International. Sherry works with a ton of real estate investors. Locally and across the country. She works with real estate investors that have rental property, primary residences, also investors that own commercial property, maybe a shopping center or maybe a big chain of restaurants. I mean, whatever the deal is, Sherry Hill has probably handled it and can help you determine what your best investment method of growing your portfolio is going to be. You have to talk to Sherry Hill. Give her a call, 775-786-5515, or visit her website, sageintl.com, and uh, you'll be on your way to making some great real estate investment decisions. You know, one of the big things that, whether you're an investor or a primary residence buyer... If you're going to be getting financing, I know you're going to talk to a mortgage lender. We talked about that earlier. But they're going to be seeing some things on your credit report that you're probably not even thinking are going to be a factor. When we come back from this break, I'm going to talk to you about some of the things that your mortgage lender is going to talk to you about when he sees or she sees your credit report. And these are not about past due accounts or uh, you know the balance on your account or your, uh, your debt-to-income ratio. I'll tell you what those items are. You'll be surprised. We'll be back after this message. Extraction Jackson. Here's what people are saying about CJ's recommended carpet care.
0: Michelle Holbert. I have used Jack several times, and he's fantastic. He's cleaned my own carpets, several of my rental properties. I've been very happy. My tenants have really been surprised at how nice the carpets look after he's completed
1: them. Tile, grout, carpet, upholstery. Call 829-1551 or visit cjscarpetcare.com. Extraction Jackson. He's the best. You know, another show that I love to listen to besides Nevada Real Estate Radio, that other show is called the Sherry Hill Radio Show. It airs Mondays at 1130 a.m. right here in northern Nevada. Sherry Hill is a fantastic business person. She can help you grow your business. She can help you save your business by avoiding some of the costly mistakes that many people make trying to save a nickel. It costs them thousands and thousands of dollars. Sherry Hill can help you save your money and save your business. You set things up the wrong way and you could be set up for a catastrophe. Sherry Hill, a great resource if you're a small business owner. Give her a call, and uh, you can talk to her. Of course, we gave you the number, but better yet, listen to what she has to say on her radio show, the Sherry Hill Radio Show, Mondays, 1130, right here on 1180 AM Radio. Hey, going into the break, we were talking about your credit report. And what you see on your credit report, and most people I know think that they're going to be looking at all the accounts that are open, the accounts that they paid off. Oops, maybe there's a past due there that uh, we take care of and maybe something else that we need to take care of. And then you're going to get a credit score, right? And that credit score is going to tell you and tell your lender uh, you know, whether you qualify for a mortgage. And if you do, how compared to your Income, does that create your debt-to-income ratio? And ultimately, how much of a home can you afford to get a mortgage on? However, along that way, there's going to be other questions. And those are the questions that are not talked a lot about when you hear messages and advertisements from the credit report bureaus. But they're pretty important when it comes to lending you thousands and thousands of dollars to get a mortgage. So we're going to go through some of those things today. That way, you'll be a little bit more prepared Even before you talk to your lender and he asks you about your credit report. So one of the things many people don't think about is your public records. There's a section in your credit report called public records. And let's say that uh, in, in your past you had a bankruptcy. That bankruptcy was filed by a court, and that's a public record. That was reported to the credit bureaus, and it may show, there may be a notation on public record saying that you, John Doe, had a bankruptcy 20 years ago. It was discharged on this date, and there you go. It's still there. It's on your record. However, it doesn't really have much impact on you, right? Now, if it says that you had a divorce, but it was two years ago. Mm, a new trigger hits there. That is so recent that a mortgage lender is required to ask you for a copy of your divorce decree. They have to do that. It's part of the mortgage guidelines in the mortgage process. You see, the bank, the lending institution has to check to see whether as part of the divorce decree, you are going to have to, one, maybe pay additional money to somebody uh, maybe there's a mortgage involved in that divorce decree that you have to uh, calculate payments into, into your uh, new credit mortgage application. Uh, it could be a variety of things. Now, there might even be there uh, a fact that you're still on title on another mortgage even though it's paid off or you know, or somebody else is making the payments. No, it doesn't matter. The mortgage company needs to know. They need to check so much about that transaction. You'd be amazed. But one of the things they're going to check is to make sure that if you are part of still a a real estate holding, even after you are divorced with your ex-spouse, the lending institution for you needs to confirm that those taxes are paid and on time. And if there's a homeowners association due issue, the lending institution, your lending institution needs to make sure that those Homeowners' association dues have been paid on time. The reason, if there's any issues there, it could create a liability in your part, uh, a lawsuit perhaps, and no lending institution wants to be any part of that. They want to make sure they're as far away from that as possible from the get-go. So again, yes, divorce decree is one of the things that somebody might see there. There also might be something that says there's a lien on your property, on something that you have on your personal assets because of an unpaid obligation. Well, that lien uh, may be just for even a few dollars, but any lien on a mortgage, anything in the public records has got to be resolved one way or the other. Sometimes I've seen it where those liens, they're not even the right lien. They were filed improperly by somebody at a courthouse, and now it's on another individual's credit report. Ladies and gentlemen, many lenders do not want to mess with somebody who has a lot of work between them and closing a transaction. And if there are a number of things on your public records that take a lot of time and work, some lenders don't want to work on them. I happen to be one of the lenders that would help my clients get all of those things taken care of. But keep in mind, a lot of lenders are just looking for turning a quick deal, and the tough deals, they avoid like a plague. It takes too much time. There's no really no money in it for the lender if it takes more than the usual number of hours. So this is why I'm saying in advance, you want to make sure that you know and you check out and resolve any things that might end up in the public records that, you know, you had no idea were there. So you want to get that credit report as far in advance as possible of the time that you are out and about shopping for a home. You want to take care of all those issues before you go looking for that transaction. Now, another thing you'll find in your credit reports that many people don't talk about and that many uh, people don't even consider in calculating your debt-to-income ratio, well, it's your residence history. And of course, it's not going to be used to calculate your residence history, uh, rather your debt-to-income ratio. But that residence history is pretty important. It's a great way for the banks to know that they're dealing with somebody that is truly qualified to purchase a home. So one of the things... In fact, probably the big thing that banks are always looking for in any transaction is fraud. Mortgage fraud—that's what got us all into trouble in America—was mortgage fraud and exotic loans back in the early 2000s. There's so many ways to trick people into thinking they're getting something that they're not, and that tricking can also be working to trick a bank or even trick the federal government. So. When banks are doing a loan for a borrower who says that they are a first-time homeowner, uh, many banks offer loan types or loan options specifically for first-time homebuyers that are only available to first-time homebuyers. It could be a lower interest rate. It could be down payment assistance. It could be something on top of the mortgage that anybody would get. But because they're a first-time homebuyer, they get this little extra incentive. Now the definition of a first time home buyer, it varies from bank to bank, but for the most part, it doesn't mean you've never owned a home before, you've never bought a home. It basically means that you haven't owned or bought a home in the last three years. That's what it means. Now, you call your lender and he might say it's four or five years, because every bank have has different rules. But the bank I worked for previously, I'm not a lender now, that bank had a rule three years. If you haven't owned a home in three years, you're a first-time home buyer, and you qualify for these options to your mortgage. So when the credit report is ordered and it's noted that in your previous addresses, you had five addresses, your mortgage lender is going to ask for a brief explanation in writing that you can provide to him or her talking about those addresses. One of them might be that you live there when uh, you live with your parents Another address might show that you were there when it was your first apartment. Another address might show when you shared a residence with another individual, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The problem comes when there's an unknown there. I have no idea how that address got there. So now there's a search to make sure that there aren't two people using the same credit report, two people with the same name perhaps but different addresses. I've seen that come up and that has to get cleared up. But typically, the the banks are pretty good to help with that. Your lender will help with that part. But sometimes when they see these addresses, I've seen this happen too, uh, a guy will say, well, yeah, I lived there with a, uh, a friend uh, two years ago. And so after you get those letters of, of explanation as we're going through the loan process, the underwriters continue to check on all of the data in every element. They want to look for that written explanation, right? Right. So I've seen it before where the underwriter will see that explanation. That's where I lived with a friend two years ago and there's the address. And so the underwriter will do a search on that property. And so just to make sure that, you know, like he said, he was renting it from John Hancock and, and two years ago. So he goes, she goes in there and, and she pulls up the title on the house. And sure enough, it's owned by John Hancock, right? Oh, wait a minute. There's another owner. There's two owners. It's John Hancock and the borrower that's applying for a mortgage now. Now, he either forgot that he was on title on that transaction or he thought that maybe just because he was a co-signer that he wasn't really an owner of that property or who knows what, right? But the fact is when the lender and the underwriter submitted that information and they get the feedback, it shows that our borrower already owns a home. It doesn't matter whether he's not paying the mortgage. It doesn't matter that he didn't remember, thought he signed a co-signer for payment It didn't have anything with the title or the escrow, et cetera. It did. It just did. And so that's – had that transaction gone through and he would have gotten this new first-time home buyer loan without that research being done in the back, he would actually own two homes and he would be a first-time home buyer in two homes and there would have been – he would have been taking unfair advantage of the benefits to a first-time homebuyer. So there's an example of why the underwriters ask for so much stuff. But trust me, an underwriter does not want to put anything in, in your way from getting a home. Your mortgage lender does not want to put anything in your way from getting a mortgage loan. You see, they're in the loan business, not the loan prevention business but when you're getting the mortgage and you start getting asked all these questions and for letters and for explanations and more documents and more it happens it is because that is just the way it is in the lending world right now there are no easy routes to get a mortgage that's why today's real estate and mortgage world is so solid is because the people that get mortgages now The banks know for sure they can pay that loan, and the banks know for sure there is no mortgage fraud on this loan. We have a good borrower, and we're going to offer this loan to that borrower. That's what you want to hear. So as you're getting ready to go see your mortgage lender and whether you've gotten your credit report or not, think about these other areas that we talked about, public records, be prepared to give some explanation on public records. Previous addresses, be prepared to give some information on your previous addresses. And if you've changed your name in ever in, in your life, I guarantee you there's going to be some information there about a name change, and you're going to have to supply information related to your name change, reason for your name change, and hopefully you have all of the legal documentation for your name change so you can provide a copy for your lender. If we can help you anyway here at Sage Advertising, here at Nevada Real Estate Radio, getting ready for your visit with a mortgage lender, we'll be happy to give you some free advice. And remember, you always get what you pay for. <laughs> free advice. I've been in the uh, Real estate world for many, many years. was a mortgage lender for over 10 years. Still to stay active with the mortgage lending world and the real estate world. And I absolutely love it because that's where the money is made. If you want to grow your investment portfolios, ladies and gentlemen, I recommend real estate. If you have any more questions for us, call me anytime after the show, 775-223-3428. Tell your friends and family we're on the air again next week. Same time, same station, and we'll visit with you then. Until then, goodbye, everybody.